Like it matters that when God calls you, that you say yes and you go. And and don't worry about the naysayers versus versus the uh, the early adopters because it's God's job to sort out the sheep and the goats. If you work for the Catholic Church and want to avoid burnout, overcome team dysfunctions, and put more souls in the pews, we're here to help. I'm Ty Hua, here with my co-host, John Kahns, and we're providing leadership development for Catholic ministry professionals. Every week, you can expect practical advice to help you move Jesus' mission forward in your parish. Today, we're continuing our dive into a five-part series on reasons why change isn't happening in your parish. John? Ty? <laughs> it's good to see you. I uh, I want to get on my soapbox real quick. Ooh, please do. So having a newborn, there's a lot of cuddle time, and and with that, there's you know a lot of binge watching different shows. One of the shows we started watching, um, actually I'm gonna talk about two of them. One of them is like the Mysteries of Faith on Netflix. Have you seen this? No. I have, well, I don't have Netflix. Oh. Can yeah, I, <laughs> I suppose you you might have been. What's your password? I, I can't. <laughs> Netflix put a kibosh to it. I know. You can't do that anymore. That's why um, I don't have Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> so in this first episode of Mysteries of Faith, it talks about actually two relics. The first relic is the crown of thorns, uh, as well as the Holy Grail, you know, the cup that was used at the Last Supper. Why I'm on my soapbox is in... I love that they're talking about relics, you know, especially on Netflix and stuff. But mm-hmm. as it's presented, it's like, you know, it talks about how some religions worship these relics. And it's like it just my my apologetical instincts kicked in. I just want to <laughs> say I actually paused it. And simultaneously, my wife and I said the same thing. We don't worship the relics. <laughs> You got your basic premise wrong there, people. Yeah, yeah. So (laughs) in one respect, it's like, yep, thank you for talking about our Catholic faith. It's awesome. Um, But also, don't talk about our Catholic faith Mm because you have no idea what you're talking about right now. So Mm -hmm. uh, the other one was the uh, documentary on the Kelsey brothers. Mm -hmm. You have Amazon Prime. I know you do. I do. Have you watched that? Uh, No. It's actually a pretty decent documentary now i know this intro is getting a little bit long so um anyways <laughs> there's two brothers they play on two different nfl teams last season those two teams played in the super bowl so it was they called it the the um kelsey bowl instead of the the super bowl sure the yeah, brothers yeah. last names are, are kelsey um and this is before all the t swift you know fandomonium whatever um but anyways one of the big stars of that documentary of that whole scenario is Mama Kelsey, oh. you know, people are, are giving her high praise and, you know, everybody wants her on every news syndicate and, you know, they want an interview. They just want five minutes with Mama Kelsey just to kind of talk about the dynamic of raising two sons that are now playing in the Super Bowl. And I'm just sitting there going, it's like, that's cool that the two Super Bowl participants mother is being interviewed and we're, we're paying her great homage. But you know, my Protestant mindset, you know, in my apologetical mind was thinking, well, don't worship her. Like, don't give her too much attention, right? (laughs) 
It's like these two guys are playing in the Super Bowl and we're giving their their mother that much attention. How mm. much more attention does Mary need as the mother <laughs> of our Lord? Anyways, amen, I'll get off amen. my soapbox. Well, yeah, absolutely. Well, Mama matters. Mama matters. She does. She does. <laughs> I don't want to take I, anything away from Mama Kelsey. Dude, I will say, though, I'm kind of a sucker for things. So I, I have to be part of the reason I probably haven't watched that documentary is because I'd work really hard not to pay attention to the things that are going on on like the backside of social media and stuff because I'll get sucked into it. And then I'm like, why do I care what Mark Wahlberg's workout regimen is? Or I mean, I just get sucked into those stories so easy. Like if it's clickbait, I'm clicking on it. And so I I get it. I also get the entertainment factor of just like, oh, this is something that maybe is vaguely interesting. I might as well just go for it. But my brain's broken from, you know, decades of being the first, you know, guinea pigs for the guinea pigs, not guinea pigs, test mice for the Internet. Guinea pigs, whatever. Yeah. Um, Here's what I will say. I I like that stuff because I'm always looking for content. Mm Um. Not so much to post online, but it's, I like connecting those, like just like those two things that I just talked about, those two shows. Um, I like using them as teaching tools, especially with, you know, like my non-Catholic friends or non-Catholic non-friends. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I just want to draw, you know, really good analogies that maybe the secular world or mm-hmm. the, the Protestant non-Catholic world uh, can relate to. You're such a good evangelist. I'm really not. Anyways, you got a, <laughs> I want to a, from you. a story for us? Yeah, well, I do. Speaking of social media and all the things that are on it and entertainment, uh, that's kind of what I wanted to talk about today because as we dive into these elements of uh, kind of reasons why change might not be happening in our parishes and some of the solutions for those reasons, what really popped into my head and something that just recently happened was a friend and a Catholic ministry professional sent me a social media post. They texted it to me, and this post was from a group called Young Life. It's in the Chicagoland area. And he, what he texted me was essentially along the lines of he sent me the post, and then his tagline or what he sent it with was, I hate losing, and our youth ministry is so clearly losing to this group. They're not even playing the same game. So I open the post and I look at it and it's like this youth ministry threw a rave and invited all these teens to it. And then they also made time for Jesus and breaking open scripture and faith sharing and witnesses. And every single moment of that post, I was like, that is a place that I want to be. Right. And so it was it was just a social media post I thought was really done well. And on on the contrast he was saying our our youth ministry isn't even in the same league. They're not playing the same game. And I've seen a lot of that on social media too where they post a picture, you know, maybe they really even want to make a big push to grow their social media presence. And so they're posting pictures of the six kids that came to their <laughs> youth group standing in an empty gym with all those lights on, you know, and and just the contrast in effort and intentionality there. And like you can post that kind of stuff all day, but if all you're doing is a lame event, that's all people are going to see. Right. And and so you contrast those two posts and it makes you go, which, which event do you want to go to? Which, which post do you want to follow or are more likely to? And the reason for this, I believe 
the reason we sometimes get lost in the weeds with so many of the initiatives and things that happen in the church, one of the big reasons why we're not having an impact, why we're not changing lives, why change isn't happening is because in many ways we have forgotten who we are, right? Pope Paul VI, he says in Evangelii Nuntiandi, right? The, the purpose of the church is to evangelize all people. Evangelizing people is the essential mission of the church. And when we forget that, sometimes we try to take on things or push things that are non-essential and, and ineffective. On the other hand, when, when we remember, right, it might seem like it's just a social media post, but when we remember that the reason we're doing this is to evangelize people, to bring them to faith in Jesus Christ so that they don't end up damned to hell. When we remember that, then every single thing we do is just infused with meaning. So even your, your, fa- your Facebook posts or your Instagram posts, they matter. And if you're going to do them, then you need to do them well. These little events like these youth ministry groups, if, if they're not going to come to the church, it means like, hey, let's throw a rave in this house. Let's, like, let's get the lighting we need to make this an excellent event. But let's really then break open scripture and teach them from the heart of God and do faith sharing with them. I mean, you could just tell the difference in intentionality in these two groups and the willing of effort they were they were putting into it, the way that that evangelizing impulse was just breathed into it, you can really tell that. And it's because they they knew the reason. They hadn't forgotten it. They weren't lost in the weeds of ministry because they were laser focused on the thing that they were there to do. And so um, last week we talked about how maybe if you're if you're not praying, you're not even you may not even be doing God's will, right? That root cause of that being that lack of prayer. So this week, what we want to do is move forward from that, right? Looking at what this week, what we're going to talk about is how we actually need to get laser focused. Then if we know what God is calling us to do, we need to turn that into a a statement, a vision that we can use to help lead people towards Jesus. So last week, we did talk about discerning God's will and making a resolution. And and even after that, right, if if you haven't discerned God's will. If you haven't listened to last week's podcast, I I really encourage you to do that. These episodes are going to flow from each other and into each other. It's all building upon what we talked about. So go ahead and listen to last week if you haven't. But if you've discerned God's will, you kind of have a clear direction, but you're a little unclear about what that means and how that that impulse, that, that calling that you have in your heart, that desire to follow God's will, if you're unclear how that translates into your parish work, this is where we want to start today when we look at getting just that really clear, concise, transparent statement that we're going to use to cast vision for people. That's what we're going to look at today. And so if you're a little unclear on that, this is the question you need to put out there. If everything else stays the same in your parish, what is the one thing that, if changed, will have the greatest impact on the mission of the church? Now, we've talked about this before. This is this is how you boil it down. This is how you get a little bit clearer in that discernment because you might know like, yes, God wants us to evangelize. He wants us to do it better. Okay, that's great. How does it translate into your parish and what you need to do? Well, you need to look at what the one thing is that you can change, that you can have an effect on, that you can impact if you change that, what is that thing that will have the greatest impact on that mission then? And that be, that boils it down. The reason that's really helpful is because, one, it's, it's really practical. It's looking at the needs of your church and the things that you can directly influence and how you can then um, 
directly speak into it, how you can directly influence it. It's looking at that, but also it it's just boiled down to its bare roots. That's the thing that God wants you to do. He wants you to do good work, and he wants you to make disciples of all nations. He wants you to evangelize your parish. So it really takes that this kind of this big idea, this maybe big discernment, and it boils down to what's like a meat and potatoes kind of thing that you can tackle in the context of your job to move that forward. So once you have that that one thing that if you changed that, that that could leverage the mission of the church forward, that's good to have that nugget, that little piece of truth. I want you to write it down. But then I also want you to take that that resolution, that one thing, and put it into this formula. This formula. And this is going to be really important because it's going to give you something something actionable that you can share with others. So here's the formula. This is the formula for your mission statement or for your vision statement that you can use to begin opening up the conversation about doing a new thing in your parish. Here's the here's the template. We're going to do X by Y because of Z. So in this X is a specific measurable goal. It's something very specific, very measurable. Why? It's your deadline. We're going to do this by deadline. Z then is the reason you're doing it. So if we take this, we're going to do X by Y because of Z. And uh, just as an example, this is this is what I would suggest as a potential, right? We're going to invite everyone in the parish to an evangelizing event by the end of the academic year because only Jesus can save their souls from hell. And so, I mean, think about how much more motivating this kind of statement is. If you see kind of the standard parish vision statement, it's always we're a warm, welcoming community of disciples focused on experiencing Jesus in the Eucharist. And that's beautiful, but it doesn't necessarily tell me how to plug into the mission of the church or if I join this community, what it means for my life and, and what it is to participate in the community versus we're going to invite everyone in the parish to an evangelizing an event by the end of the academic year because only Jesus can save their souls from hell. So let's let's just break that down a little bit. That goal, inviting everyone to the parish, I'm sorry, inviting everyone in the parish to an evangelizing event. That means several things. That the reason this is a good solid goal is because it it is numeric. Everyone means the totality, right? It gives you an actual benchmark for how will we know when we've successfully completed this goal when everyone has been invited, right? And if that's just the the bottom line, like that's getting everybody invited to an evangelizing event, there it is. That's how you'll know when you've accomplished that goal. The other thing it does is it says evangelizing events. It gives you a, a bar, a standard for these events. So think about what that does when you're trying to look at, okay, how many people do we have in our parish? A thousand people, okay. Well, if we're going to get everybody to an event, we can only seat 100 people, so we need we need 10 events. Okay, well, you may be able to use some of your events. You say, well, we've already got this fall festival. That's great. But now we need to speak to the leaders and say, hey, this needs to be an evangelizing event. Think about what happens when you begin to speak with your volunteers, your committee leaders, about how they can more effectively, effectively build evangelization into their events. It transforms the way they think about the event. It's not just about collecting the money and getting the food out or whatever it is. It's about transforming people with the love of Jesus Christ. And they get to then see how they're a part of that. So it just opens up this, it breaks open this conversation about the role of everybody in the parish to evangelize in the community. It breaks it wide open. 
find the other pieces by the end of the academic year an actual deadline like it it sets for you a standard there's a there's a law called parkinson's law and what it essentially says is that the time to complete your work will fill to fit whatever deadline you give it so if you say you know i need to get this this specific task done by the end of the week you're probably going to get it done by the end of the week but if you say i need to get this task done in the next 3 weeks it's going to take you 3 weeks to do it so again setting a deadline it's all it's good you need to re- be really practical you you can't just say, hey, we're going to do all of this in one week, although you maybe could by email, right? But you can't just say, like, we're going to do it in one week. You have to think practically, how well, how long do we need to complete this? By the end of the year, sounds like a good long timeline because you can intentionally invite people to specific events. You can target them, whatever you want to do. And, and so you need to set that deadline so that it holds some accountability for you, for the people that are involved, so you can continue to follow up and say, hey, we're seven months away. We need to do X, Y, Z. Hey, we're six months away, X, Y, Z, and be able to follow through. And then finally, the last part, Z, the reason we're doing it, that's the stakes. That's what's at stake. Only Jesus can save their souls from hell. And if we are not the ones introducing him to them, who else, to whomst should it fall if not us, right? So it really sets those stakes. Like, this is important. It's more than just... This is my job, so I have to do it. It's, I want them to be with me in heaven. I have to do everything in my power to get them there. So it sets a really solid framework for then trying to tackle this goal. Yeah, well, one thing it does is it gives you a, a barometer or a, a temperature gauge uh, status update. I mean, when you say you're going to invite everybody in the parish, you know you've got a parish directory. Right. Mm -hmm. So you can legit just say, okay, we've got 600 families in the parish and we need to invite all 600. Now you can kind of divvy up those um, parish members. If you have six weeks to do it, okay, 100 a week. Like now you have actionable steps, right? Or at least a roadmap Mm -hmm. to be able to execute on it. Um, For our listeners that didn't listen to our, you know, four disciplines of execution or any of the other game planning episodes, I I actually recommend you guys go back and listen to that because there are executable things in the podcast when you listen to it. Um, But yeah, it just goes to what you just said at the end where like, why, why are we doing it? Because if it's just, yeah, it's my job to do it. Well, you're probably not going to do it very well. But if there's a purpose behind it, now you're working for the purpose and not just for the satisfaction of punching a clock and punching out. And having the weight of that purpose behind it also helps you to really, it kind of cuts through the BS, if I, if I can say that. It cuts through that a little bit because not all tasks are equal. And when you have a weighty mission like that, a weighty why statement like that, you can suddenly go, this is not the priority right now today. These are the things that I can prioritize and delegate or whatever, but be able to prioritize. These are the most important things to do today. And it, it helps you to really clarify your way forward in those actionable steps as well. So one other thing that it does is it makes you commit to that, right? So here's a, here's a quote for you, and I don't know who said it. I don't know where I got it. Probably a YouTube video, uh, one of my YouTube university classes. But it's people who are interested do what's convenient. People who are committed do whatever it takes. So if you aren't committed, 
you'll do it if it's convenient. Oh, I got nothing else. I got nothing better to do. I got a little bit of time in my calendar. It's like, I'm so bored that I'm, I'm actually going to work. Um, but if you're committed, you know that this needs to get done in order for your mission or your why or your purpose to be able to move forward. Because without it, now you're, you're kind of stuck on no man's land. Um, aimlessness sets in. You don't know which direction to go. So if you don't have that commitment, you're probably not going to get things done in the time that you set anyways. Absolutely. And so, yeah, so now that you've got a statement or you take some time to refine that statement, I would honestly even those same people that have been helping you discern in your prayer, your trusted friends in ministry, your your pastor, go ahead and run that line by test it on your <laughs> test it on the team in some staff meetings and stuff and see what sticks. If if it's inspiring for them, if it's not, I, I wouldn't be afraid to test it out on a few people before you like go full bore and commit to it. But it's a good place to start. You've got that one question to identify a specific goal. What is the one thing if we changed it that would have the most impact on our parish mission on our church's mission and then to put it into that formula we're going to do x by y because of z and then the next thing is once you've kind of honed that in and you feel like yes lord this feels right it it seems to be true to what i've discerned through you and it seems to be something that could greatly impact and bear a lot of fruit in our parish share that mission i mean share that vision statement everywhere you know most parishes are boring because because they're not calling people they're a warm, welcoming community, but they haven't taken the time to paint that picture for people, to invite them into a mission and call them out on adventure. And that's exactly what one of these statements does. Somebody reads a statement like that. We're going to invite everyone to evangelizing events by the end of the year because only Jesus can save their souls from hell. That is something that I, as a new parishioner, can walk in. I can pick that up and go, wow, I want to be a part of that. When's the next event? And who can I bring with me, right? It immediately empowers them to step into that mission. And that that is something that we we need to nail. We need to be able to do that well. And then you can share it everywhere. You can share it from the pulpit. You can share it when you meet people who want to be new parishioners or are, are interested. You can share it with your RCIA. You can put it in your bulletin. You can put it as a tagline at the bottom of all of your emails. You want to say it out loud at every single meeting, every single group gathering that comes in so that it sets the bar for everything we're going to do going forward from the moment it's said out loud. Amen? Amen. All right. And with that, I think we can move on to the devil's advocate. Dun, dun. I get it, John. I, I get about, you know, we, we got to do the thing about the mission and, and try to evangelize as many people as possible and really i don't i don't know like what if people just don't like the direction i'm trying to take them what say you <laughs> i that's a real uh, that's a real possibility you will probably have and i would say most likely have some people that aren't immediately on board with change they don't like something new or something different Ethel. and sometimes <laughs> ethel's always doing that you know what ethel really loves is she loves when People have to go through the same things that she had to go through. Because mm. if it worked for her, it has to work for them. That's what Ethel really loves. And so it's hard for her when things change, when it's time to transition into something new that God is calling us into. Um, so what I want to throw out there, just as, as kind of a rebuttal to the devil's advocate, because this is something that will happen. 
Um, so one, I want to reverence that. That's hard. It means you're going to have to have some difficult conversations. We'll talk a little more about that next week. Uh, but I want to throw out what's called the rule of thirds. And th- this is something that has given me a lot of peace, but I think it also gives us a lot of strength and courage to move forward. Because when, when you look at any given population set, and, and especially in parish work, this is true, you're going to find that there's different, about three subcategories for your people. And there's there's your people who, they're your early adopters, like they're excited about the mission of the church when they feel something fresh and new coming, like they're, they're just on board, they're ready. You know, this is these are your, your early adopters, they're, they're just ready to go. Um, and then on the other side, you have people that no matter what you do, no matter what you propose, it's just no, I don't like it, I don't want to do it. Right? They're your naysayers. This is where Ethel lives. Or the laggards. They just lag <laughs> the laggards. And so, yeah, it's just going to take them a long time. But then in the middle, you've kind of got this part where you've got the mez. They're just like, meh, we'll see how the chips fall. They're, they're really just waiting to see what happens. And they're just going to go along with whatever the decision is. They're just going to go along with that, whatever is implemented. They're, they're not on fire. They're not going to, they're not icy. They're just going to go along. They're lukewarm. They, they're lukewarm. And so you've got them right in the middle. So what happens is a lot of times you have a handful of people that get really upset about a new idea or a new initiative or something that's happening or the way it was implemented or that they weren't consulted and they get real noisy about it. And then maybe your pastor hears about it. So he comes at you and he says, hey, how come you said this to so-and-so? And yeah, yeah. And then the whole conversation gets out of hand. And then suddenly all of your attention is on these people, these naysayers, this negative group, and you're giving them all your attention. Well, what happens when we do that is this group in the middle, because they're just looking to see where things go, they begin to see that all the attention is going this way of the people who say, no, I don't want to do that. And they start to go, well, that looks that looks like that's the way it's going to go. That's where I'm going to start heading. I'm just going to say, yeah, it'd be nice if we didn't have to change anything. It'd be easier, and, and I'm just going to go that way. And so suddenly then, instead of having a third, a smaller subset of people that are naysayers, you end up getting those lukewarms, those those middle mez kind of geared into that side. On the contrast, when yes, you address the naysayers, you invite them forward, but you really focus on those who are ready to charge towards Christ, those who are on fire, those who are lit up and ready to go. What happens then is that that excitement gets contagious and they start to bring the middle subset, the mez, along with them because they go, oh, there is something happening here. I want to be a part of that. And they begin to navigate more towards that positive response where they're moving forward. So what happens is whatever you give your attention to is, is going to be the thing that grows. And so if you want to really go this direction, you need to put the majority of your time and your attention and your effort into those that, that positive subset, that group that is going along. Because they will bring the others with them. It'll create energy. It'll draw the mez. And then even potentially... Some of those naysayers are going to know some of those mez, some of those early adopters, and they're going to get brought, brought along as well. So we have to, again, keep that vision statement in front of us, remind ourselves that it was something that was discerned from the heart of God through prayer and really commit to it and move forward and give that attention to them because they will then become your support. They will become be lending you energy and things will begin to gain momentum towards this change. 
the last thing I would say about this is if people don't like the direction, is just kind of a, a final warning from Scripture is just consider more importantly, like what happens if God tells you to go and then you just don't listen and you choose not to go? That's the other thing to consider here is, is really just remember, you know, what happened to Jonah when he decided not to go to Nineveh? Got swallowed up by a whale or some kind of big fish, right? When Moses, Moses the man, like the prophet of prophets, Moses was denied entrance into the promised land because he disobeyed God. What did he do? All he did was God told him to strike the rock once and he struck the rock twice. And God was like, sorry, you don't get to go to the promised land anymore. You didn't obey me. Like it matters that when God calls you, that you say yes and you go. And and don't worry about the naysayers versus versus the uh, the early adopters because it's God's job to sort out the sheep and the goats. Your job is simply to say yes and to go with him. Amen? Amen. I'm just glad that uh, <clears throat> that wasn't me because I would have hit that rock so many more times than two times. <laughs> just listen. Bang, bang, bang. <laughs> I, I, I'll just tell you, I won't see you uh, in heaven if that was me. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have confession. I don't think he, he didn't have confession yet. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Um, I love the story of Jonah, by the way. Like that, that just number one, it's a short read in the Bible. But number two, mm-hmm. it it's it's quite often missed when Jesus, you know, um, I forget what where it was at in Scripture. I think it's Matthew, like chapter twelve, where he he's telling them like, you know, you wicked and adulterous people, you um, only only those types of people seek signs and no sign will be given except for the sign of Jonah the prophet. So I just love Jonah and Jonah reminds me of me, right? Like here's, here's exactly what you should do, Ty. It's like, nah, I'm I'm, I'm, going to try something else, but if that doesn't work, (laughs) I'll come back to this. (laughs) I've got a better plan. Yeah. My plan is way better than this. What? Why would I try your plan? I've been thinking about this for a while, God. It feels like you just joined the conversation. Let's <laughs> I appreciate your input. I know you're going to be around, but <laughs> hear me out. Oh, that'll preach. That'll preach. <laughs> uh, well, like we never want to leave you guys without anything that um, you can take action on today. And so we, we've got some actionable steps, and it's, it's kind of a recap of what we've been talking about. You know, you've discerned that vision. What you need to start doing is put that, putting that into words. So you've, you've got this vision from God. You've got kind of this calling on your heart. you got to make a resolution based on that to move forward. Put that resolution into that formula that we gave you above to do X by Y because of Z. And then start sharing it. Start testing it on people. Start setting it out there. And you might need to refine it a little bit as you go. But you have to start the conversation. So many good things never happen in our church because nobody started the conversation. You be that person. Step out in faith. Trust the Lord and what he is calling you to do. If he's called you to it, he'll get you through it. (laughs) All right? So thank you for listening to the Catholic Ministry Professionals Podcast. If you found today's show helpful, please immediately text it to your pastor and a friend in Catholic ministry so that others can find out about the show and begin transforming their parish through their work. Also, we need your feedback, so submit us an honest review on your podcast app or email us at catholicminpros at gmail.com. And as always, 
You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, or at CatholicMinistryProfessionals.com. And with that, we'll see you in the vineyard. Thank you.